Hey, Tom. Hey, Liam. You got that fever? Do you have that ah, fever? Ooh, I'm hot to the touch. Yeah, you know what that is? That's that. That's that Ready Player One fever. Ooh, I'm ready. I'm player, and, and we're, we're both, one. We everyone wins. <laughs> we are one. Listen, so by now it's on, it's like less than two weeks till Ready Player One, the greatest movie for all genders that comes out. <laughs> greatest movie for all genders, all generations, all generations. All people. You don't need to know anything going in. <laughs> Absolutely not. You're gonna in it. Well, all right. We're joking. There's a lot of it's a lot of pop culture references. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot, a lot of real deep cuts like Tracer from <laughs> Overwatch and like the Iron Giant. You know that robot that doesn't want to be a weapon. Guess what? He's, He's a, a weapon, weapon now. But listen, 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 my babies. Listen, sit down. Come close. Come, come close, close to gather, the microphone. Gather around the microphone. You're all here with us now. Don't mm. say anything because we can't pay up. you. Shut up. This is our fucking podcast. Get out of here. Look. I got a little scoop. I'm a Ooh. bit of an industry guy. Got a hot scoop? I got a I got a scloosy. I got a hot tip. Uh, Ready Player Two <laughs> hasn't even been greenlit yet. Whoa. Hasn't even been greenlit. And I had lunch with Spielbs. That's why I call Spielberg. <laughs> Spielbs the other day. And he was like, here's, here's a list of characters that's going to be in Ready Player Two. And y'all... It's gonna be Buck Wild. Oh, I'm sure. Are well, you... first of all, okay, first of all, though. Here, I have the list right here. Well, who's your favorite, Liam? Cappy. Cappy's coming yeah, to Cappy's Ready Player it. 2. Cappy's in a Cappy's in Ready Player 2. The, oh, he's no Mario, no Luigi, just Cappy. Uh, so is Shooter Gavin. That's right. Every, everybody's favorite beat-em-up fighter, Shooter Gavin. Droopy Dog from not Looney Tunes, but the other group of cartoons. Scrappy-Doo's gonna be there, and the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> from Scooby-Doo and the 13 Ghosts not are making the real an appearance. Harlem Go- Absolutely not. They couldn't get the rights. No. These are, and, and this isn't going to be in 3D animation. The, these characters all stay in 2D, just like ripped from the cardboard cutouts that they were made. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. A Mucinex guy. He's going to be in there. Alex Vance, Half-Life 3. He's g- Whoa. Actually, did you guys Half-Life know that Ready Player confirmed. 2? Ready Player 2 is just a Half-Life 3 movie with Droopy Dog and oh. Scrappy Dale. Oh, God. I, I'm sorry. I can't continue anymore. I can't do this anymore, Liam. But there's other Tony the Tiger and 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 Blossom. Bam Margera's gonna be. <laughs> yeah. And he will be 3D animated. Absolutely. And he will. Uh, Andy Serkis is gonna do the mocap for Bam Margera. Bam Margera's. He's cool. finally gonna win that Oscar. Carl Urban is the main character. Yeah, and he plays Droopy Dog. <laughs> Spielberg said that like. He wasn't even in, like, he, he, so Spielberg and his casting person, let's call her Claire, they go into the room to audition, and, like, they don't see Carl Urban in the room, and then all of a sudden, he kicks in the door, and he goes, hi there, Steven. It's a really bad droopy dog, but Spielberg was telling me that he nailed it. Anyways, this is Media Majors. It's a uh, Hollywood spoilers podcast. You know it. That also is storytelling. My name is Liam Senior. And my name is Tom Lockney. I tell stories about movies and television. And I really like telling stories from the culture of video games and the internet. And each week, we pick a theme. We sure do. And this week, the theme was a higher power. I and believe you were starting us off, Liam. So I was struggling with this week's theme because, like, I've been planning to talk about Pure Flix for the longest time. That's the company behind God's Not Dead and a lot of those Christian Ooh. movies. Well, here's the thing. It's really just, like, a dude moved to L.A. He got a couple of bit parts in TV. He was had, like, had a pretty successful life. 
And then he decided to make a film company that was more religious because he wanted to make some more religious content. The end. All it's right. really uninteresting. It turns out Christian cinema is empty with scandal. Not a twist, nary a turn in the place. It turns out Christian cinema, which, like, I thought the theme was perfect for Christian cinema. It turns out that it's not interesting behind the scenes because it's mostly just semi-competent people trying to make religious movies just so that they have more content for what they like. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just boring. So I turned to prayer, and I prayed to my one true God, Lakeith Stanfield, and I asked him, what should I do? Lakeith, Well, me. I didn't know. You, you, I just conjured an image, and I, I made a thought blast, and then I sat outside, and I waited until the coolest car drove by, and then I heard a voice, and it said a name, and the name was Kirk Cameron. How could I have forgotten Kirk Cameron? Oh man, who could who could forget? So we've talked about Kirk Cameron before on last year's Christmas episode. And uh, he was the star of Growing Pains. He was a militant atheist until he turned 17, became a hardcore evangelical Christian, tried to convert everyone on his show, and then pretty much got blacklisted from Hollywood for his hardcore Christian views and the fact that he doesn't like queer people and is super vokes about it. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, a hardcore Christian does not do uh, enough justice. Maybe he's just a bigot. He's just, maybe he's just a bigot, everybody. And he pretty much got blacklisted for his bigotry, his lack of talent, and his insistence on films being drowned in Christian values. I would like to note that Pure Flix does not work with Kirk Cameron, which, like, I mean, yeah. there you go. Like, the, the writing's on the wall. So I talked to before about how we'll do a full Kirk Cameron story one day, and we still might because his family is pretty interesting. He's, his sister is also an actress from Full House, now Fuller House. The dude is god-crazy. Loves God. A-plus fan of God. Uh, which is weird because I'm pretty certain that God and Jesus would really hate this dude because he's filled with hate. And then I remembered a movie called Fireproof. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Because Fireproof is buck wild. That's the one. Fireproof was a 2008 movie where Kirk Cameron is a firefighter who wants to buy a boat. All right. You know what? Hey, who are we to deny firefighters a boat? <laughs> it's surrounded by fire every week of every day. Oh, Tom. Every day of every week, excuse me. And you know what? Maybe likes to maybe likes to be around the opposite of fire every once in a while. You think that's where the story's going. I really love a good shower. His wife wants him to use some of his savings to buy some more medical equipment for her ailing mother, but he refuses. Uh, what does her mom have? It's never mentioned. Oh, okay. It's that you dreaded movie sickness. You know what? I was asking more questions than Kirk was. Yeah. Got a little bit deeper in the cut of the script than Kirk did. Sure did. So she takes a job at the hospice her mother is in to make some extra money, but Kirk wants her to use that extra money for towards their mortgage and car payments. Fucking for real? Yeah. As his wife grows closer to her mother, Kirk grows closer to internet pornography. Oh my god. Which, holy moly, it puts even more stress on their marriage. I mean, like... She is disgusted by the fact that he is looking at pornography, and he's disgusted that he, the 
that she wants to that she wants to take care of her mom. There's so many. <laughs> there, hang on. There's so many movies out there of like people who have a fucking house who are like, man, things really aren't going my way. Even though I've got this like beautiful home with my wife, maybe a child, maybe two children. Man, things are really difficult for me. A homeowner. So I should say at this point in the movie, they're not religious. Their characters are not religious. And they're pretty much like not in love anymore. <laughs> and there's no mention of children. So it seems like a divorce might be beneficial to both of them. Because he, he, like, she's got a job at the hospice now where she can be close to her mom and take care of her. He doesn't have to worry about he's a saving another piece of he's, shit. He's a dumb it's shit. like, why would you take care of your mom who might be dying? Uh, but then you remember, Tom, that this is a Christian mm, film. Mm, mm. And man, do Christians hate quitting marriages. Their marriage is dumb, stupid, and bad. And everyone knows it. But they also but here's the thing. Whenever Kirk brings it when he says, like, we're just not in love anymore, everyone tells him, like, how dare you say such a thing? You, you marriage isn't a contract. It's a covenant. That's a real thing a character say says. That. You divorce, you cannot say that. Can't be said. You can't say that in in, in Christianity. So, like, his boss is like, oh, marriage isn't a contract, it's a fucking covenant, which is some right. whack-level shit. Especially for a boss to say, that's then, weird that the boss is so deeply, deeply integrated in these uh, interpersonal affairs. It's very weird. So Kirk's dad gives him a book called The Love Dare. It's a book where you and your significant other, or actually, no, sorry, it's a book where you, sometimes your significant other, sometimes it's in secret, uh, over 40 days, or some shit, through Bible quotes, which we all know, nothing wrong in those. Yeah. Every Bible quote is good and never bad and can't be misinterpreted. Absolutely. Uh, the th Lord read his word and it was good. You learn what love is, what love is to God, and what it means to your spouse. And not only does this book save their marriage, it makes them Christian. Kirk Cameron tearfully tells his wife, God has given me a love for you that I never had before. So I guess he got like married on a dare or something. Oh my God. Like he was just like, yeah, sure, we'll get married. And then he's like, oh my God, I love this woman. I didn't realize how much I loved you until I read this very old book. Uh... The love dare not only uh, oops. Uh, the no love dare not only gives Kirk new love for his wife and a new love for God, I guess, but it also challenges him to do something every day to prove he loves his wife. One time, he has to bring her flowers. Whoa! Another huge time, commitment. He has to cook her dinner. Uh oh! Wow! Wait! Wait! Hang on! Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you telling me the man cooks dinner I for just, a woman? Whoa! I would just like to say that I've done both of those to Jane, my girlfriend, just like on a whim in the past couple of weeks, and we're not even married, and <laughs> neither of us are reading a secret love book. One of the challenges is to quote interview your wife in a way where you can pull her heart out of her. Not literally, of course, but I don't know what they mean by that. You know what? I don't like that language very much. Feels very combative to me. So while Kirk is doing all of these things, his wife is considering divorce, she's considering an affair, and then she finds the Love Dare journal and she confronts him about it. Well, and you he... know, women are, women are, uh, they're 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 wily wily temp twists until they read the Bible. Not a Bible, a book called The oh, Love Dare. God, that's right, Jesus fucking Christ. I would like to say it is a book that has Bible quotes in it, but it is not a Bible. So 
she wants to have this affair with this strapping young doctor. And then it turns out all of her mom's medical bills have been paid. And then she finds the love dare, and she goes and confronts Kirk uh, Kirk Cameron about it. And he reveals to her that although he completed all the challenges, he's, like, still living by the guidelines every day. And he tells her that it was him who used his boat-saving money to pay for her mother's medical bills. Oh, you mean A thing he should have done from the fucking beginning. From the start, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moved by Kirk's selflessness, she reconciles. And then Kirk discovers that his dad's copy of The Love Dare, it wasn't for his dad. It was for his own mother. I don't care about that, but apparently it's a really important part in the movie. We never meet Kirk Cameron's mom in this movie. Oh, of course not. Of course not. We have, we have we, listen, Liam, we've got one wife character, uh, and frankly, that's, that's, that's too much. enough. The film ends with them renewing their wedding vows. Hey, Tom, would you believe that Fireproof is the highest grossing independent film of 2008? Would you believe that Love Dare was published into a real book by writer-director team of Alex and Stephen Kendrick? Tom, both of these things are true. Hey, bud. I need you to look at my, my, my computer screen now. No, 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 Because no. we're on the no, fireproofmymarriage.com. No, no, we're not. No, we're not. Yes. No, 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 no. Fireproofmymarriage.com. I recommend everybody goes to fireproofmymarriage.com. Listen, if you're married and you think that your marriage might be at risk for flame, fireproof your marriage. Well, it's it's in partnered with this company that does, like, anti-porn addiction. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that, too. But listen to this. So we're on the home page, right? And it's got sections. First of all, it's got an ad. Get immediate help for your marriage. Marriage 911. Call a marriage helpline. There's official products such as Love Dare book, fireproof novel, couples kits, and more. Couples. And then this is, like, a list of, of who the fireproof my marriage would be good for. Couples, because they're in a relationship. Churches, because of God stuff. Communities, I guess because of God stuff. Businesses, you've lost me on this one. I think we've lost the trail. I don't think the businesses need the love dare. You know what, Liam? Frankly, this sounds to me like it might not actually be about fixing marriages. It might be more about spreading. The last one is firefighters. Why don't we click on firefighters? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? Oh, well, it's resources. What are the resources? Uh, the Love Dare PDF, Fireproof Your Marriage Couples Kit, 40-Day Love Dare Journal. Oh, the Firefighter's Bible. Fight for Your Marriage and the Firefighter's Bible. Now let's click wow, on- Wow, gotta, gotta put out this bush, everybody. <laughs> let's let's uh, click on businesses. Would you know it? It's literally the same thing. Oh, my Lord. Uh, uh, I'll end it with this. In an interview on the Today Show, Kirk Cameron stated that he refuses to kiss anyone but his wife, even in movies, because of the covenant he has made between him, his wife, and God. You know what? Which is technically a thruple. Go for it, buddy. Kirk Cameron. Stupid, dumb, awful bigot. <laughs> Who is involved in the highest grossing independent film of 2008. We're going to take a quick break so Tom can bang his head against the wall for a little bit to get that yuck out of his brain. Oh, and then we're going to come back and we're going we're gonna to put some yuck back into your brain. Have you ever watched something for your favorite actor, but then afterwards you realized it wasn't worth your time? Well, our time is worth nothing. I'm Katie. And I'm Lenny. And together we host the Filmographers. Every month, we pick an actor and watch everything they've done. Then we report back to you so you know everything to decide if it's worth your time. So check us out on the Major Cast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. New episodes the first week of every month. And we're back. Guys, 
It's time for some game theory. Aw, man. (laughs) In August of 2009, a man by the name of Matthew Patrick created his very own YouTube channel, Matthew Patrick 13. It's mostly a showcase of his musical theater performances, but then, quite abruptly, something completely different appears on the channel. April 14th, 2011. Game theory promo. Oh, no. Completely unrelated to the mathematical study of optimizing agents, the video promises knowledge. The description. Quote, Inspired by the tangential learning episode of gaming series Extra Credits, I've started a video series that looks into learning a wide range of topics through the filter of video games. Plumbing with Mario, hot wiring cars with GTA, quilting with Kirby, all fair game for future episodes, end quote. So I don't like this guy already. The first episode of Game Theory was published on April 18th, 2011 and is titled Game Theory. Is Chrono Trigger's time travel accurate? No, but it's a fun idea for a video. Hey, listen, I love a I love a good like uh kind of silly exploration of a of maybe the mechanics of of a scientific aspect invoked in a media property. I love that. I love it. It's fun. It soon becomes clear, however, that the series is less about knowledge than it is about speculation and fan theory. Here are some titles from the first couple months of the series. Batman, Arkham Asylum, Diagnosing Arkham. Great idea. What, the Hulk? There's no way, there's no way that could possibly be uh, disparaging the mentally mentally disabled. disabled. Not only that, to, to like, if you actually wanted to diagnose every single person in Arkham Asylum, you would need every single psych professor at Johns Hopkins. Well, also, they're not real people and they don't have real like they did the way that their psychological can conditions that they hypothetically would have don't manifest in real ways are you telling me that calendar man doesn't have calendaritis absolutely not halo <laughs> power armor in real life no earthbound the dark side of mother what that doesn't make any sense uh mother is the like the game yeah. i know i know but like that's you're just saying words shepherd is a zombie in mass effect 2 Huh? And best boobs in gaming. Gotta save the best featuring for last. softcore hentai of Princess Peach, Samus Aran, and Princess Zelda, among others. It's so embarrassing. More embarrassing. Oops. To the ten females who watch this show, parenthetical, including my mother, I apologize for what you're about to see. Hey, dude, maybe don't make the video. I can't. It's literally this just him. This is pictures him. of closed boobs. It's just him, like, throwing up softcore porn of mm, women and their breasts. In softcore, yeah. you see nip, my dude. I guess so. This is just bikini pics. <sighs> I'm so sorry. Like, I saw that, and I just, I just can't let it go. You know what's crazy is that that bit was done when Seth MacFarlane hosted the Oscars. Like, they basically just did that. They made a whole song about how sometimes actresses show their boobs. And he pointed out the actresses that were watching the ceremony. 
You know how you're watching the Oscar ceremony and you're like, oh, I did a good acting job and maybe I'll get a trophy. Maybe and then I Seth, won't be sexually objectified. By Seth MacFarlane. That and then might, it happens. By the way, that that video has over 5 million views and 66K upvotes, only 5.9K. You want to add a down vote there for us real quick? Um, here's the description. Why are you reading this? It's about sexy boobs. What more do you need? We're checking out the best boobs in gaming to see whose breasts are 100% homegrown. Uh, by the way, yeah, that's right. This video is about uh, who's got real natural breasts in games. Hey, you know what the Good answer Lord. is? You know what the answer is? None of them. Because they're, they're not, not real! real. <sighs> you know who has the best boobs in games? Miles Tails Powers in a drawing I made. Uh, his videos, uh, that one included, get picked up by ScrewAttack, a website that hosts and promotes gaming content. Great job, everybody. Way to, way to really pick the cream of the crop. Game Trailers also promoted his videos, which helped give him the subscriber foothold that has rocketed uh, what is the, the channel's changed names now to the Game Theorists to 9.8 million subscribers. Cool, cool. Though the theories of each video have become increasingly flimsy, the series still presents itself as an educational tool to further players' understanding of the medium. Is Here, Yoshi Mario's husband? Literally, literally that could be one. <laughs> here, is a, here, is, here is Matthew Patrick's given description of the series from his YouTube channel. Quote, Game Theory, the smartest show in gaming. Nope. Top 10, Big Titty Honkers. Watch for your favorite video games, but walk away educated. Anything is fair game as real-world research tackles video game logic. But remember, it's all just a theory. A game theory. Thanks for watching. I think Yoshi's probably a power bottom. Of course, that little tack-on does not hold uh, any weight. The content within is treated as 100% true. He takes it super-duper seriously and gets uh, really, really sensitive whenever anybody is like, Hey, I think that you're full of bullshit. Well, I would just like to say, what's this gentleman's name again? Matthew Patrick. Matthew Patrick, I believe that you are filled with bullshit. Yeah. Uh, it, actively, it actively diminishes people's ability to read a work. I would like them to stop. They are the cinemasins of lore channels. God, We're, I hate that I know what that meant. Regardless, he enjoys the absurd social clout and influence of YouTubers and as such was in invited to speak with Pope Francis in 2016. Why? Matt Pat. No, what? As no, tell me why why did he speak to the Pope? And ten other YouTubers were invited as part of the VI Skolas World Congress in the Vatican City in order to discuss the positive influences of the internet and how it can be used to unite the world under mutual interests. What is happening? It is customary to give the Pope a gift upon meeting him and being an emissary of no, the no, culture. No, 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 What do you think Matt Pat gave the Pope, Liam? A Pokeball filled with dog shit. <laughs> Fortunately, we do know what he did give because he made a video about it. Well, duh. And I'm not going to tell you what he gave yet because it takes him a hot fucking second in the video to do so. The video is 16 minutes long and I'm not going to make you watch it. I watched it for you so you do not have to. Thanks, Nostalgia Critic. It's a really good joke the if you know the ins and outs of stupid things. The first 45 seconds are a joke about how Undyne from Undertale is the Pope, ending on a bitter reference to how people thought his Sans is Ness theory was ridiculous. He could have done this in five to ten seconds. QA 20 second intro with theme song, title card, game theory, the smartest show in gaming. Again, gotta, gotta reiterate, 
Not true. Another 20 seconds dedicated to him defending the Sands' nest theory. 40 seconds explaining the summit, okay. 40 seconds dedicated towards freaking out that he and George Clooney were in the same room and that George Clooney heard him speak. I would be more interested again, as, as has been pointed out many, many times, George Clooney is not, like I'm sure he is a humanitarian, but he is he is simply the husband of the real humanitarian. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Pope did not invite George Clooney, he, he invited, invited a mole. Yeah, and even and even George Clooney is smart enough to know that like, oh, I'm just here to support hey, my wife. I'm the plus one. I'm, I'm the, the plus, plus one. one. You don't think I'm gonna miss my wife talk to the Pope? Fuck Ma no. I'm George Clooney and I support my wife. Matt Pat then calls George Clooney his bae. Shut up. Okay, oh god. Fuck, like, you know what? I don't care. You know who George Clooney's bae is? It's fucking Amal Clooney. She's the most amazing woman ever. Uh, there's a 40-second joke about how he was asked to give a gift from his culture, cue American flag, burger, and, quote, a bald eagle carrying a machine gun. What about jazz? Man. What about what about um, animation? <laughs> like, what about the actual arts that, that America has actually created well, what Liam, about fucking punk music well okay, Liam, you know how you know how automatic weapons designed to kill people are hysterical and also super duper cool god i love guns too my pet love them so much uh then, then he talks about how the culture he truly wants to represent is gamer culture quote 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 no i'm just getting ready <laughs> that was a visual joke our voice has so rarely gotten represented offline. Your voice is the fucking president now. <laughs> Calm down. Then he claims that when gamers are talked about in the public eye, it's always negative. He throws up a few cherry-picked example examples. One is from, uh, quote, America's Last Real Newspaper. It's called the American Free Press. It's a far-right-wing uh, website which currently features such headlines as globalists. But, but yeah, by the way, anybody who does not know, globalist, globalist means is just how, Jewish. It's just how people get away with saying Jew is a slur. Yep. Um, globalists and nationalists, who owns the future and the eternal lure of nationalism. He also puts up a Time article uh, condemning Gabergate. Wait, a, wait, hey, bro. Hey, hey, MatPat, wait a fucking snitch on yourself. And finally, he puts up a Kotaku article about how a Jimmy Kimmel sketch making fun of YouTube gaming backfired. Interestingly enough, the actual article is like, hey, like, the reaction to this was embarrassing, but also, like, Jimmy Kimmel got this wrong and clearly doesn't know games culture no, 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 and what no, he's no. talking it's, about. It's not that he doesn't know. He doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, I know, I know it's a fool's errand to engage uh, these people on their own terms, but, like... I could I could maybe entertain the idea that like Time Magazine or this far right wing website is like video games are the reason that people shoot each other or whatever, but like he's he's literally invoking Kotaku, a website dedicated to gamer culture that is super posy on gamer culture all the time because the people who write for that website play video games and are embedded in the culture. Every day of their lives, like every day, uh, he's 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 just fucking trying to stoke gamers and that fucking like that gamergate undercurrent of white nationalism, and it makes me fucking sick to my stomach. Ugh. Anyways, he he presents this is these all all these articles as reasons why he needed to give the Pope one thing. Undertale. That was anticlimactic. I don't know what Undertale is. You don't know what Undertale is? 
Oh, okay, interesting. All right, Undertale is a RPG in the style of something like a Chrono Trigger. It's it's like in the style of a JRPG, turn-based sure. combat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but its premise is 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 very. It's it's like one of the most character-based games of all time. I would think all the enemies are very unique. Uh, have like stories and ways to interact with them and uh, a big selling point of the game is that you don't actually have to kill anybody uh you can have a pure pacifist run quote undertale represents an evolution for gamers and what they expect from the games that they play making it the single best representative of where we are as a community today okay there's still 13 minutes to go in this video. Fuck me. He then invokes uh, Christina Hendricks. Grimm. Damn. And the Orlando Pulse Bloom. shooting. Damn. What? Yeah. Wait. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I no, made no, that no, joke. No, no, no. Yeah, you could not have possibly seen it coming. I had literally no. Jesus Christ. Yeah, because Christina, I, it might be Grimmy. It might be Grimm. Uh, she was the YouTube singer who was shot oh, at her concert. Right. Um, I forgot about that. The that Orlando, so and then obviously the Orlando Pulse shooting. He invokes his reasons that he needed to give the Pope Undertale. Yo, I, dude, you I, don't have like those things. Don't fucking. What I, is he I, talking about? I seriously, I don't know why he put those in there. Um, it doesn't fit with his uh, point that games are have this like narrative of like they directly cause violence supplanted onto them. I. I honestly, I I rewatched that segment of the video like four times, and I was like, "There's no segue here. There's no reason for this to be in the video. It's just him being a shithead." What the fuck? Uh, and now at four, at four, at four, at four minutes into the video, there's twelve minutes left. He says. Quote, this is the story of why I gave the Pope Undertale and why this is such an important symbolic gesture for all of us gamers. I'm in hell. I'm actually in hell and I want to die. He talks about the diversity of the gaming community for a bit, but not in the sense that you would think, not in terms of like actual real diversity. To Matt Pat, diversity is constituted by people who like different genres of video games or play games differently. So people who, who do no. like a pacifist run in Undertale versus somebody who like actually fights people in Undertale. It's not diversity, that's just or, a difference of taste. Or literally like one of the things that he invokes is like diversity is like people who go for achievements represent diversity in games culture. That's just I don't not know what the f Like do we need to call his parents? <laughs> I got this crazy picture. You know how everyone thinks that there's two Marios? Look again. That other one's wearing green. He's got an oh, L shit. on his hat. Oh, that's shit. not Mario, that's, my friend. That's diversity. That's diversity. And only us cool gamers can recognize it. When when non-gamers, girls, see me playing <laughs> Mario Brothers, they're like, who are those red Mario twins? And I'm like, you don't know anything. He starts... He bemoans that the outside viewer just doesn't know the difference between a COD player and a Mario Maker player and that they're both just considered gamers and that's somehow marginalization in his mind. I don't not, I don't fucking get not, it. That would it's be like not, saying like it's not diversity. I only hang out with people who watch legal dramas. <laughs> Brandine, are you marrying that boy? He watches Parks and Rec. He we are uh, office house. He starts talking about social anthropological homogeneity principle of outgroup homogeneity Video bias. Video games are bad. Video games are bad now, Tom. Or the idea that you perceive a group outside your own as mostly the same. The, the basis, the basis of his invite to see 
the Pope, the Pope, the fucking Pope, was based on the fact that games are are a mutual interest that bring people of different identities together, not that games are an identity of the in and of themselves. Tom and I are literally pulling our hair out. Like every, I'm not, I'm not joking, guys. We're like, our hands are glued to our heads in confusion right he now. He then literally implies that being a gamer is like being a nope. certain gender or nope. race. No, nope. like he, he nope. literally invokes nope. Nope. like Islamophobia nope. and stuff in nope. context of like Islamophobia nope. exists, and so therefore nope. prejudice against people who play games exists. Nope. These are the same. You these know are, how these two nope. things are the same? Nope. They are not the same at all. You so are, you are dumb, Matt Pat. So so basically, his goal of this Undertale gift is that he wants to fight this homogeneity bias with Undertale. I guarantee you that Matt Pat believes that like your intelligence is based on the shape of your skull. Uh, you mean phrenology? Yeah, he cites that Toby Fox wanted each enemy to be different and have its own distinct identity. He then talks about how the brain is predisposed to oversimplification, essentially saying that people are racists, and, and again, like not against actual races, but against gamers, because of heuristics, or the idea that the human brain craves efficiency and supplants that on narratives when it doesn't have enough information to go off of. That's, that, I, like, that doesn't even make any fucking sense. You're just saying nonsense. How's it, hey, hey, dude, how was your, how was your high school phrenology class? <laughs> He, he connects this to the false notion again. Yeah, like I said, like that all Muslims are terrorists again as a point that this same bias and marginalization is perpetuated against gamers. He literally transitions out of that into the same fucking Gamergate article as though he literally thinks the condemnations of Gamergate is like systemic racism, but like against gamers. He said condom. He talks about how there are violent video games and how they give gamers a bad name. He then gets super indignant that major game publishers don't know what Five Nights at Freddy's is. Again, like a like a, it's literally about kids getting killed. Like I like, it's and, not a trip. Like even Scott Cawthon would be like, yeah, no, it's, a I, I mean, game. it's a violent indie little horror game. It's not for children. Yeah. And 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 his point about that that major publishers that this like fucking talk he gave somehow is supposed to be it's supposed to be a point that even people within the industry don't know every single game that gets released like and he's like how is everybody else supposed to know about like games and games culture and it's like yeah dude like we all don't know shit about other people's industries and also like the games industry is super demanding time like any creative industry is is demanding time wise like people who are in movies aren't gonna watch every fucking movie it's not like a crime against gamers because greta gerwig maybe hasn't seen i don't fucking know like call me by your name i, I like oh but she has oh but she definitely oh, you know has. she did i think it's also but it's also just like um you know movies are tend to be under three hours you can you can probably fit like one in a day but like games can take anywhere from up to a couple hours to like 50 to 60. You I'm can't, playing you, The Witcher 3 I was about right to now. say, you can't like play The Witcher 3 in a day. Yeah. It's literally impossible. He then ties this back to giving the Pope Undertale, saying, quote, it's up to us to educate people. I wonder how he reacts when women and other marginalized groups within the culture try to educate him about Gamergate. I'm going to guess poorly. Yeah. He really valorizes it, too, uh, saying, like, literally, literally, he says, quote, we are in charge of our own destiny. Uh, he then points out that Google searches for the word pacifist and pacifism spike with the release of Undertale. I actually fact-checked this one. It is 
technically true, although I'm not ready to be like, Undertale came out so more people Googled what pacifist and pacifism were. He also makes the claim that a push for pacifist options spiked because Deus Ex Revolution's no-kill runs were lackluster. Like, I don't... I don't even know what the fuck he's talking about. This like is nonsense he, to me. He has no fucking idea what he's talking about. Matt Pat also points out that Undertale was a Kickstarter game and makes the completely unverifiable and untrue claim that it was funded because it pitched itself as a game with a nonviolent option. Like there are so many reasons that people fund games, and he literally just like goes to the one or two sentence description of it being like, and you don't. It's a game about this where you don't have to kill anybody and it's like this is why it got overfunded and like there's so many other reasons <sighs> he points out that gamers are funding these games despite earlier pointing out that call of duty a violent game is one of the biggest selling media properties of all time like again is this i know just ernest klein like is this just like the is this like world building for ready player one <laughs> like i know like again like i know it's useless to engage these people on their terms but like he, he makes the point that, like, see, gamers are funding games about nonviolence, but also it's like, gamers get a bad name, kind of, because Call of Duty is one of the most popular properties of all time. And it's like, yeah, like, both these both these things can be true or untrue. Like, there are, there are more reasons why people like Call of Duty and don't fund or do fund Kickstarters than just, like, violence or nonviolence. He makes reference to Donald Trump's desire to build walls on the border because this is 2016 when this video comes out and claims <laughs> that gamers are trying to do the opposite. Oh yeah. Is there a light at the end of this tunnel? He then says the gamers all face the same problems like bullying and intolerance and then again ties it back to how the Pope needs to see Undertale to break down the biases that matter, the one, the one directed against gamers. He then goes, you know, some people might think I'm a social justice warrior. Nope. But I'm really not. Oh, good. Yeah, trust we me. We were trust worried. Trust me, Matt Pat, Nobody thinks that. Uh, by the way, uh, Liam, here's the image that was in the video uh, that the editor put in for social justice warriors. I'd like you to describe it to the people. So it's uh, all steampunk. They're all white. It's some steampunk guys on the left. Uh, I don't know what that is in the middle. That looks like the one of the Revenge of the Nerds nerds. And then two gothy uh, folks in uh, some high rise. But none of these look like social social justice warriors. It doesn't even look like like the the the. This looks like one of those bad Ready Player One posters. It doesn't even look like the popular like pejorative depiction of social justice warriors, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, Where's from the dyed popular hair? Far right. Pe exactly. Like they don't have Where's dyed the, hair. There's no like Ben Garrison level labeling of everything. There are there are two, four, five people in this. Four of them are men. One is a woman. They're all white. Like, like it's I don't. It's not an accurate representation. I don't think MapHat has any idea what another human being looks like. Oh, by the way, like I, there's music going on through all this, like very inspiring trumpets and like really like big music, very big score. He says this is an essential conversation to have. He then talks about how giving the Pope. Undertale was his responsibility like he's fucking Spider-Man. <sighs> he says it's his responsibility with the platform he's been given. 
I don't want to do this anymore. Which is, which is, by the way, like, like I want to stop doing this. It's like the biggest evidence that he considers all of his theories, even his shitty little titty theory, that they're all important and essential. Like, like anybody who defends the game theorists is like, oh, they're just having fun with fan theories. Like, Matt Pat spends sixteen minutes like f- jerking himself off as to how important he and his YouTube channel is and how important gamer culture is. Yeah, he talks about how he's an obligation to educate people and how gamers are people too. Jesus Christ. Uh, just like he educates gamers every week with his theories. Uh, then there's like a promotion thing for some card shit he does. I stopped watching the video in the last <laughs> I literally couldn't anymore. Uh, he also leaves out the most important part of his gift to Pope Francis. Did you know that Undertale did not have a physical release until August of 2017? Wait, then how did he... That's right, Liam. He gave the Pope... A, a USB. A Steam key. Ugh. He gave the Pope a Steam key. Do you think the Pope has Steam? Do you think Pontifex has Steam? Yeah, his, his uh, name is uh, it's Pontifex42069. And that's the thing, too. Like the mediocre cherry on top of this the whole point of undertale is that it's punking on rpg combat and the toxic uh uh, toxic is maybe a strong word a lot of the violent systems in games like the whole the, the whole premise that it operates from is like all rpgs are about just fighting and killing like animals and random things and cute things. So when Toby Fox puts in uh, like a bunch of different enemies that all have very unique identities, it's not some statement about how all gamers are unique. It's about how like violence is really depersonalized in video games and that's why it's so easy to do these things. Here I'm challenging uh uh the traditional modes of design in this particular genre and trying to also like 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 this part of the reason i think undertale is a really good game is like he also tells just a genuinely really compelling meaningful story with a lot of love for these characters uh which is why it really can function as a as a game about nonviolence. because like if you made a game about duke nukem in this style i'd just be like everyone should die actually guess what i'm not gonna play it so so this this dude who uh again 9.8 million subscribers uh purports to be an emissary of the culture gets literally to to meet the fucking pope and 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 piss himself in front of george and amal (laughs) like he doesn't even on a on a very basic level like it's not this is not some like deep read of undertale it's like on a very very basic surface level uh a read of undertale is like oh yeah like this game is is saying that games are violent and that's a problem and we should maybe try to diversify our modes of design in ideology and in like execution so sometimes we talk about just the worst, just <laughs> just, just the shittiest, terrible, muck. just the garbage, fucking pure, unfiltered trash. Uh-huh. We like to balance that out with a little segment we like to call the self care corner. Where we talk about the good, better things that happen to us. I'm gonna go first. This happened a while ago, but I got two Branson Reese shirts. They make me laugh every time I see them. One's a Statue of Liberty. It's gonna go burn heaven down. The other is a cat that has diarrhea of bullets because it ate a gun. It's a lot of fun. 
and they make me happy. I like those shirts too. My self-care corner this week is uh, I watched a movie recently called Bad Match that I would describe as uh, the second best episode of Black Mirror, the one behind when David Cameron fucks a pig. Yeah, um, in real life. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did do that. He put his penis in a dead pig's mouth. He did do that, and he was the prime. He didn't do minister. it while he was the prime minister. He didn't do it while he was the prime minister, but he did it, and then became prime minister yes. despite putting his dick he, and balls dick in into a, a dead pig's pig. mouth. Um, but it's a really fun movie about just a real piece of shit who uh, meets a woman on Tinder. He's a womanizer who trawls Tinder for fucks. And uh, the movie does not like him and, and really, really, like, runs him through the fucking ringer. And I thought it was, like... It, it, sometimes it takes its premise a little too far and kind of lets him have a little too much authorship in the plot. But, like, man, I think that movie is... is fucking it's just really good it's really good about like hey this guy fucking sucks let's ruin his life and it's fun. a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and it does not have the weird like technophobia uh that also like spills into classism and ableism oh, well, if, of you, Black well, if your printer wanted to kiss ya Oh, what if the wi-fi was your dad yeah that's a classic one yeah, what yeah. if you what if me wi-fi is me dad <laughs> bruv in it what what if lame is a rob was a tablet <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. that's it <laughs> anyways if you like the show you can leave us a rating and review on itunes please do it helps out smaller podcasts like us gain visibility uh you can email us at mediumagespodcast at gmail.com I, th I think we forgot to give our email last week but if you want to draw sonic's view yep, for us please do that Please do it. Follow us on Twitter at Media Majors Cast. Our, uh, our, uh, the Media Majors Twitter account got a new follower this week. Oh, yeah? It's Lenny from Filmographers. Oh, that's fun. Thanks hey. for the late follow. Hey, Lenny, what's up? What's good? Good to, good to have you. If you don't follow Lenny on Twitter, you've been missing out, my guys. He's, <laughs> He's so, so funny. fucking funny on Twitter. Jesus Christ. It's the best. Uh... Yeah, I think that's it. I think uh, we covered everything. Yeah, check out the other shows on the network. Absolutely. We got stuff coming up. Just be patient with us. You guys have been. It's been great. We don't hear from you. We'd love to. Reach out. We would. We miss you, Scott. And as always, we're there for you. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun. Stay nasty and stay major.